Welcome to an incomplete guide to world domination, a podcast by creators for creators, because together we can take over the world. I'm your host, Brianna Toiber. He does okay, a good then. job. He, he sounds a little creepy, but at least you know he's never going to be secretly recording you. <laughs> uh-huh. Still. I mean, to be fair, having the uh, creepy voice is probably slightly dystopian which is sort of my genre so i guess it'll be okay <laughs> oh yeah and it's, it's kind of like kind of reminds me of terminator i think every single episode i've edited i've had to chop out the yep that's still creepy <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know ai is taking over the world so would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you Sure. So I'm E.G. Stone. I'm a writer. Uh, I write books. Wow, I don't... (laughs) I'm usually on the other end of the interview thing. I do a bunch of author interviews and book reviews and whatnot. So yeah, it feels weird being on this end. Um, Let's see here. I'll try to be... It it is really weird. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, uh, let's see here. I do linguistics. I have a master's in linguistics that I recently got, which is kind of exciting. Um, My first, well, sort of first book came out in October. It's called Speaker of Words. It's a dystopian cyberpunk fiction piece. And I've got a fantasy trilogy that will be first book coming out in February, book one of that. Um, Otherwise, I... I don't know what else to tell you. You had me at dystopian cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was fun to do. I, I am kind of curious, though, like, what made you decide to pursue a um, degree in linguistics? Ah, yeah, that I blame on Tolkien. Um, instead of being Fair. read, you know, the normal children's books that people read when you're young I was read Tolkien and it kind of evolved from there or devolved I suppose depending on which way you want to look at it so um, I see that is evolving <laughs> yeah so linguistics has been sort of my my thing I writing and language and words that's uh, I'm a word nerd I guess I'm not to the extent that you are, but I'm also a word nerd. Usually when I name characters, I try and give them a name that means something. Yeah. Which was fun with one character, because, like, a big part of her thing is she has, like, a literal, like, heart of gold. It's a phoenix heart. It's long story. So (laughs) I'm like, I gave all the three main characters a last name that means something. And it's all related to heart. So she was golden-hearted. Corlari, of course. Mm-hmm. We had broken hearted and cold hearted. Uh huh. But I also gave her the first name Aurelia, which is because it was a pretty name. And then mm-hmm. I think it was like something about Goddess of the Dawn was one of the name meanings. But then cool. I, later I found out another name meaning is golden hearted. Like I just named her golden hearted heart of gold. Good job, me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the Department of Redundancy Department is uh, loud and clear. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, that one's fun. No, naming is an art form. It really is. So much fun. Oh, man. I And the hard part is having characters who... Um, 
you name and you need to use that name over and over and over again in different stories. It's very confusing sometimes. Yeah. There was one time where I was working on two different stories at the same time that I realized both of them, the main villain, had the exact same name. I'm like, well, crap. Interdimensional travel. Obviously. And I'm like, it was, it was two very different stories. I'm like, well... Oops. Um, I just had the thought of like, hey, but you can connect them this way. I'm like, ooh, wait, no, I'll think about that later. In- interdimensional travel, I'm telling you. I was thinking one could secret, one could surprise be a prequel. Oh, prequels. Yay. Those are fun. Yeah. This was a story from years ago, and I just now had that click, and now I'm really frustrated. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's time to go back and fix it. Yeah, that yeah, that's true. That's what rewrites are for. Is writing the main thing that you do for a living, or you you mentioned yeah. something about doing author interviews? Uh, the author interviews and book reviews are simply a whether well, a means to get me more connected to the writing community and also to help other people spread the news about their works and their journeys and that sort of a thing. So it's some. Um, connected to the world of writing but tangentially you make your living in the world but not all of it is just from typing up words on paper well most of it you know most of it although i'm still fairly new at the whole writing full-time thing so that's a process i'm not even close to being there i haven't finished a book in a while but do you sometimes do book reviews oh yeah yeah book reviews are fun I mean, they haven't been getting as much pull, but that's because I do book review and I also produce two weekly podcasts by myself. Ah, so free time <laughs> doesn't exist. And I work in retail. Yeah, well, you know, who needs um sleep? Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. But I'm <laughs> so I'm guessing, given that your parents raised you on Tolkien, they're very supportive of your chosen career path. Ah, uh, s- sort of. I mean, it took a bit of convincing, but in the end, we got there. Yeah, I I feel that because it it's tough being a writer for a living, and most people don't see how that's possible. Exactly. However, in this day and age of self-publishing and self-marketing and the internet being a means of um, money-making, it seems to be more viable than ever. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still difficult. Yes. I I think pretty much anything at this point is difficult. Yeah, you're you're not wrong there. (laughs) So did you self-publish or traditional publish for your first novel? Uh, I'm self-published. I like the idea of traditional publishing. It's just, I also like having control over my work and also the fact that I make 75% of my royalties instead of 10% of my royalties is a nice thing. Yeah, that that is very nice. So, you know, the marketing takes a whole heck of a lot more work. But the end result, you know, once I get to the end result being really quite good, then uh, yes. What are some of the challenges you've run into? Marketing. I think that's pretty much, yeah, going to be forevermore the most difficult thing ever. 
Marketing is always a fun challenge because stuff changes all the time. Exactly. And they keep changing their algorithms to make it more difficult. Changing, and so you have to keep up with that. And then there's the whole social media marketing. And do people like Facebook or do they like Twitter? Do they like Snapchat or Tumblr or whatever? And where should you be? And what should you be taking? TikTok has been taking off a lot recently. I've been eyeing it curiously. I'm still not sure, but... Well, yeah. The problem with that is I think it's only like short videos and things so that could be slightly more problematic if you want to do things over like a couple of minutes yeah yeah that's true and i think it's better just for more of like building your personal audience instead of directly marketing stuff right that's more for i was going to say selling yourself but that sounds like we're talking about something very different (laughs) Oh, uh, well, um, I'm good with words. I, I sell books and things. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, you're building your brand, I think it's the phrase that you want. Yes. My brain is not doing the English spell today. I apologize. I'll probably have other awkwardly phrased things pop up. What is words? Yeah. Pretty much. I also blame part of it on the fact that my allergies have been sneakily trying to assassinate me in my sleep for the oh past Oh my goodness, weeks. yes! The allergies are driving me crazy because it's not actually winter, it's just sort of pretending to be winter, and so things are still throwing pollen my way. It's also um, damp outside, which means yes. mold, and my allergies are like, okay, it's time to like break out the big guns and do the stabby stab. I'm mm-hmm. like, can you please not? I like being mm-hmm. able to breathe. Yeah, breathing is good. Uh, sleeping is good. Both of those things I'm super fond of and would like to have for a while yet. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you just recently got into writing full time. After I finished my dissertation, um, I came back from Scotland and started doing the writing thing full time. So I've been doing it since last May. However, my book didn't come out until October. So uh, I mean, sort of October, I guess, is the official start of my career as an author. What all did you do before that? Was it just sort of like working on different stuff while you went through school or... or... Um, well, I've been writing books for ages, so I've got, you know, a whole bunch written. Let's see, 20 some odd full length pieces in various different genres. So most of That's what impressive. I did. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, I, I can't seem to stop. So that's that's always a thing. Feel that. So most of what I did between May and October was setting up marketing channels and figuring out what I needed to do for that. And I'm still I'm still figuring that out. Yeah, I don't think you ever really finish figuring it out. It's just continue sort of tweaking and adjusting and making it mm-hmm. up as you go and just kind of hope it works. That's that's my life. Yep, making it up as I go. Uh-huh. That's accurate. Yeah, I I I definitely feel that because <laughs> I'm slowly inching my way towards doing like full time podcasting. And by slowly, I mean I might get there in the next 10 years. <laughs> well, I mean, podcasts are extremely popular. And if you can get there with like, I don't know, sponsorships and things, 
um, adverts yeah. and whatnot, I suppose. I don't know how that works. Uh, I'm only peripherally, per- peripherally, that's a word, on the edge of that. So, Do you produce your own podcast? Or... Um, I do the I put the author interviews onto podcast form as well as YouTube form, and then I also have been doing a uh, radio drama style audiobook type thing with a story I wrote. A audio years drama, ago. I think is the Audi- word audio for. drama. That's a good one. Yeah, okay, I like that. I have some people. You, I, have to, I actually have a couple people on here that you would probably get along well with. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm connected in some audio drama communities, and I'm playing with some ideas of my own, but still like very early. Like yeah. I'm still trying to finish the damn trailer. <laughs> ah, that's always fun. Trailers. Now this is me just narrating with all the various you know characters and accents and foley art and music yeah. and stuff. Which is it's definitely fun. a valid way to go. I've listened to some like that that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I probably won't end up doing that more than just once every couple of weeks type of thing, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, uh, hey, that's the important part. As long as you have fun and you reach a larger audience, <laughs> and when people get frustrated not knowing what happens next, they'll yeah. just buy your book. Exactly. See? problem solved although this book isn't going to be published this is just old story that i needed to do something with well then if you then if when people get frustrated you could if you decide you want to publish it you'll have a lot of people buying it just because they have to know how it ends yeah i did Ooh, that with that'll one. be fun i i did that uh-huh. with one i'm like i realized we had the book in the store um it was one i've been listening to called the secret world chronicles so uh-huh. It's entirely narrated by one person who is a very talented voice actress. But I've uh-huh. been listening to it for years, and they're in, like, the last book, and so much stuff is happening. And I'm just like, I got so frustrated waiting to see what happened next. I bought it, and I oh no, flipped forward to about the part I left off at in the podcast. And uh-huh. I've just been reading it, because I'm like, I have to know. <gasps> I mean, I'm still going to go up, but I will still absolutely go back and listen to it. But I have to know. I I understand that feeling. The need to know what happens next. That's why I read so many books. I've got a shelf. (laughs) Just one? It's the ones I haven't read yet. Oh, the TBR shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right next to my bed. So I can grab the next one whenever I finish one. I have no spare shelves, so my TBR stack is just kind of, like, on top of a a dresser. That works, too. There's a distinct lack of um, bookshelf space. All of my bookshelves are full. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty common writer problem that happens regularly. You know, I think you might be right. We just have to consume more stories so we get ideas for stuff. Precisely. It's research. Exactly. It, it's research. It's your researching the competition, you're researching different storytelling styles. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, researching the genre, and also Saturday afternoon and it's raining outside and, you know, the cat won't move research. I don't quite have that because I don't have a cat and I work in retail, so I usually work on Saturday nights. Ah, 
I work in a bookstore, so I get a discount to help fuel my addiction. Part of me says I would love to work at a bookstore, and part of me says there would be no paycheck coming home. Ever. Yeah. And then you also have to deal with people constantly being grumpy because you don't have the exact edition of the book that they need to have tomorrow. It's usually required school reading stuff. Oh. So it's like, we have to have this specific edition. I'm like, there's nothing I can do about the fact that we do not have the book at the store. I'm sorry. I've I've had that a few times, mostly with Russian literature. Not going to the store, but I happened to like already have a different edition and wasn't going to spend more money. And so we read the book and I said, wait a second. Your book is not the right book. It's the it doesn't say the right things and it's translated wrong. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine. And Shakespeare. Shakespeare's always fun. Yeah. I did like Hamlet in like three different classes, so I'm just like Wow. Yeah. Just like throughout college. Okay, I mean wow, there are other plays out there besides Hamlet. Yeah. Not sure my teachers were aware of that. <laughs> uh, I had a Brit lit professor who didn't know who I was talking about because like we were talking about like different heroes and like classifying them. And so I said, Aragorn. And he wrote down Aragorn. I'm like, no, Aragorn, like oh, Lord no, no, of no. the Rings. And he's like, oh, no, oh no, no. I haven't read that. What? He's British literature. That's like exactly quintessential British like, literature. I'm like, what? How? Like, I understand some of my classmates, maybe, but you teach British literature at a college level. Oh, that's just tragic. I'm just, oh, that was almost as annoying as that I knew a film major who hadn't seen the movies. I'm like, you should be ashamed of yourself. You call yourself well, a film major? Well, that one I sort of understand, because a lot of people in the film world don't necessarily watch the mainstream movies. They tend to watch more of the indie stuff. I don't even think he watched that. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Let's I move on. <laughs> Let's move on. I don't need to be bashing strangers anymore. <laughs> what are some of the stories that you enjoyed reading that you feel like kind of influenced your writing a bit? Oh dear. Well, let's see here. How many bookshelves have I got? Uh, yeah, so I grew up, I was um, forbidden after a while from taking books to parties. My my mom wouldn't let me read books at her parties because she would go out and I would be dragged along. And so I would have to read anything I could get my hands on in the time that I had. And I ended up reading a lot of 19th century British literature, which, um, given that I was like 10, didn't make a whole lot of sense. I could imagine. Well, I mean, I probably understood it better than I should have done. And then I moved into things that people my age were reading and I got extremely confused because it didn't make any sense compared to what I had just been reading. So then I moved on into <laughs> things that adults were reading in various genres. So I ended up with a lot of mystery. I ended up with a lot of science fiction. It was, yeah, it's quite the journey. So if you ask what books have I read that have influenced me, it's going to be all over the map. I feel like that's pretty accurate. I remember I was the kid that would um, take books out to recess at school. Uh -huh. 
Yep. And I there, did that. there was one time where like friends like, are you reading a kid's book? I'm like, no, this is a murder mystery I borrowed from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. If I could reach it, then I could read it. That was my, my theory. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that didn't lead to any awkward discoveries. No. No, not particularly. Those came um later. And it was a little less weird for you to be reading them. Yeah, because by that time I actually understood what was going on with that sort of a thing. That, that, that's always helpful. It's not just like, what in the world is, oh my gosh, what is this? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, to be fair, considering I started off with 19th century literature, which had a um, certain preoccupation with saying things in a polite and um, very obscure manner. Yeah, it was probably good. Probably. Yeah, always fun. These days, I read pretty much whatever I get my hands on, which is probably why I do book reviews. Same. I've, like, my pile, I've got a little bit of everything. I, so I just finished one that's, uh-huh. it's a relatively new YA fiction one. And, like, usually okay. I go for more of the fantasy stuff, but this one was called American Royals by Catherine McGee. Oh, I've heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, so let's look at what if Washington had said yes to the crown. And I was like, I think, because, like, working in the bookstore, we get advanced reader copies. So, like, I just grabbed it because it looked interesting. Oh, it was good. I, it was, yeah? it, it was... Once I got over the weirdness of reading American Monarchy in the same sen- in, a, in a sentence, um, <laughs> I fell in love with it. The characters are great. I couldn't help but sit there and think, I'm like, yeah, no, if America had a monarchy, this is what it would look like. So is this like we lost the Revolutionary War type of thing? Or is it just... Uh, no, it's... Um, there was a point in history, like in the war when... Washington was offered a crown of his own. Right. And yeah. in this version, it's like a modern day look at what if he had said yes. Oh, I see. And it was oh, good. I if you haven't read that one yet, I definitely recommend it. Okay, I'll go have a look. I I could geek out about books all day. Well, I mean, they are wonderful. Yeah, and it's like whenever I get more time to do like more podcasting stuff, I do kind of. I've been playing around with the idea of doing a book review podcast, but instead oh, of like yeah. doing an overall review, like like me and whoever I get for a co-host, so it's like read through the book, but we'd only read like X amount of chapters at a time, and then we talk through it all. That all that happened. Oh no, that would be so much fun because. You know, oh yes, we're only a third of the way through. We have no idea what's going on, but here's what we think so far. Oh dear. Yeah, because yeah. well, I I kind of got introduced to this format of there was this guy. Um, he did this pot. He created a podcast called Potterless, and he was mm-hmm. it's the journey of a 24 year old man reading through the Harry Potter series for the first time. Oh my goodness. So he would do that, and he would bring on a co, a guest, like a guest who was an avid Harry Potter fan. Oh, oh, so a lot yes. of people just not try, like trying so hard to not spoil anything for him. Ha! Oh my goodness, that'd be so funny. Yeah, I just kind of I really like that format because it's like 
digging into things. It's like sort of digging into what's going on and yeah, having one person that has no idea and the other person that's just saying like, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just don't react. <laughs> I feel like that would be so much fun. Oh, it really would be. Like, there's just too much fun stuff you can do with podcasting. It's ridiculous. Right? Yeah, it's uh, one of those mediums that I should perhaps explore more than just my, you know, rate or audio drama, though. That's what you called it. Audio drama. Well, hey, I've got plenty of people I can introduce you to that can help you learn your way around. Oh, yeah. You know, with all of my free time when I'm not trying to write books or read books or um, listen to books. Well, that's why you just have it all centered around books. So it all, like, your entire life is all interconnected. Well, and the occasional chocolate. Yes, all the chocolate. <laughs> uh, yes. Talking to someone who, if you put a package of Oreos in front of me, they will not be there for very long. Oreos? Huh. Yeah. I see. Yes. Yeah, huh? sometimes I like to dip Oreos in coffee. It's delicious. Well, I mean, you know, they do make drinks with chocolate and coffee already, like, mixed together. Oh, I love those two. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a straight-up coffee or chocolate person, so uh, hot chocolate, uh, just straight-up chocolate pieces. Dark chocolate, dark chocolate with nuts and things, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. February is a great time for people like me because all the chocolate is on sale. Yeah, well, February 15th. Is when it all goes on sale. Oh, yes, that's true. I suppose there is the first half of the month when they're actually trying to sell them. Yeah, and then they just want to get it off the shelf so that they can switch to Easter? Yeah, Easter. I thought St. Patrick's Which, Day was not. Not as much candy that goes to St. Patrick's Day. Although there probably will be some. Well, they've got the little gold chocolate coin things. Or is yeah. that something so else? Yeah, so they'll probably do both. Okay. Well, I mean, anytime they've got chocolate on the shelves, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because anytime there's chocolate on the shelves, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Books and chocolate. And, um, yeah, there goes my paycheck. Feel that. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the uh, your first book. Speaker of Words? Yeah. The dystopian cyberpunk? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm like, I just, I, dystopian type cyberpunk. I'm like, yes, I am sold. <laughs> it was huge amounts of fun to write. Uh, so ba the basic premise is that, you know, in line with your average dystopian novel, there is uh, a society ruled by the Republic. And in this Republic, you have um, a place called Kuiper Central, which is sort of where your law keepers hang out. Uh, they keep people from, breaking the law, they keep dissidents from gathering together, and they find crimes against the Republic. Now, one of these crimes happens to be a bunch of dissident rebels leaving behind a mysterious message. And so Inspector Maddox Dawes has to go figure out what these people are trying to say. Only all of his resources are being disabled by these dissidents, so he has to go and figure it out manually. And it's a whole explanation, oh. an examination of like linguistics and how language influences thought and how you think about different things and how you speak about different things. And it's 
you know, rebels and computers and language and huge amounts of fun. So that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, I I had great. I, I enjoyed writing it. It was um, <laughs> I was probably grinning maniacally half the time. Eh, that's just a sign that you're doing something right when you're just sitting like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. And I've had readers come back and say, what? No! And the ending. And, oh, and it's, it, I enjoy those reactions quite a lot. I just, I feel like sometimes I'm like, I shouldn't enjoy making people suffer this much. But it's so well, much fun. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is the prerogative of a writer to enjoy the tears of the readers. I feel like all writers at some point probably get buy one of those coffee mugs that just says Reader's Tears. <gasps> yes. Oh, I need one of those. I haven't gotten one of those yet. Oh, there's probably one. Some You could probably find one somewhere. Mm-hmm. That'll be my next purchase. How long had you been working on that one before you published it? Or uh, finished it? Um, speaker of words, I actually wrote um, a summer... Hold on, let me do the math here. A year before I published it, and so I had set it aside and was doing um, undergraduate dissertation. Uh, so I did that, a bunch of linguistic stuff, and then I was in Edinburgh and um, getting my master's, and I decided, okay, time to go get this book ready for publication. So I sent it, well, I edited it. Ed I have the hardest time with that word in the past tense, edited yeah. It is a weird word. I feel you there. I hacked it. <laughs> Sent it off to an editor. We got it going. And it took from basically last January to October, uh, you know, to set up the marketing and do all the pre-sale cover design stuff. And um, it was fun. And I got like hear about some of that stuff. I'm just like, mm, do I want to deal with all of that? <laughs> Because I imagine there's a lot that goes into it. Well, I probably took longer than I needed to simply because I was setting up my author profiles on the social media and doing all of that stuff before I got it published. Pretty smart because like having a bit of a platform set up before you start having to promote. Right. And considering I hadn't ever done any of that before, I figured, okay, I need to spend at least a few months doing this. So now that I've gotten that, my next books should be much easier to produce and promote and whatnot. Hopefully. And you said the next one's going to be part of a fantasy series? Yeah, book one of a fantasy series called The Wing Cycle. Um, book one is called The One Who Could Not Fly. And oh. it follows a sylph uh, who is, in my world, a winged human, basically what people would consider an angel in this world, but not in the other world. She is unable to fly, and she is in a society of where flying matters a whole heck of a lot. Unfortunately for her, she gets captured by humans and discovers that, you know what, the world sucks a whole lot more than she originally thought. Her poor thing. Yeah, I, I'm not very nice to my characters. So she has to figure out um, kind of what her role is in this new world. And things 
don't always end well for all of the people. There are wars, and she's got alliances with different people, and then she has to find her way back to her original home, but they don't necessarily want her back, and so I had fun. I once had a friend when I was telling about one of my story's comments, like, you you really like making your characters suffer. I'm like, well, think of it this way. Characters are like geodes. In order to see what they're made of, you have to break them. Yes, indeed. Definitely stole that from somewhere, but I don't remember where. That's what Google is for? Yeah, I think I actually found it on Pinterest, and I'm like, mm, I'm going to use this. <laughs> it's not, I'm like, it's not originally mine, but I'm using this. Well, it's accurate. It really is. No, so it's, uh, it's a book of um, sort of self-discovery and figuring out how to live with yourself in a world that doesn't necessarily want you. I feel like that's a story a lot of people need to hear just because there's a lot of different things that cause someone to feel like they don't belong or like they're not yeah. wanted. Life yeah. is, it's messy. Mm. Yes. Yes, indeed. So I had fun. I think... I think it'll be great when it comes out. It comes out at the end of February, and then book two will be in June, and book three, I haven't yet settled on a release date. I'm working on it. As I say, that that's really close. Well, that's sort of the strategy of many self-published types is to do rapid release type of thing, and I've already written book two. I still have to write book three, but I'm waiting on edits to go and make sure that everything's consistent and that I'm not accidentally putting someone where they shouldn't be. Or, you know, bringing someone back from the dead and then you're like, oh, whoops. Well, I mean, yeah. O only one semi sort of uh, back from the dead situation so far. That's good. Was that on purpose or, uh, or an oh, whoops? Yeah, it was on purpose. Okay, that's good. Well, not for the characters involved. Oh, so you brought back a not nice person. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that that can be a lot of fun, but you can only do that get away with doing that so many times before your readers just like, why are they not dead? Well, it's relevant to the story. Yeah, I'll just go with that. Well, I said that because I once read a series where um brought the same bad guy back like four different times. I'm like. If he comes back one more time. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, no, this is just like, it definitely just once, and it's definitely relevant to the story. Okay, that, that's good. I don't know if I've ever brought anyone back in a story, but uh, there, there will be someone. Well, one of the stories I'm writing, uh, the series probably won't come out until 2021, but um, the main character is Death's marketing slash pr agent and what death... <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's it's fun so I'm death told. hires this guy uh to be his marketing slash pr agent because i'm sorry death needs a little help in that area yeah it's yeah. all about image <laughs> so he, death accidentally makes this guy impossible to kill and there are many, many problems that come with this, and eventually death fixes the problem, but um, not before huge amounts of chaos and mayhem. I love it. Yeah, that's uh, that's fun. I'm writing book two at the moment of that one, 
So I've got a few different projects going on at the same time, which I probably shouldn't be doing because, you know, coherence. We all do this. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's only eight or so books that I want to write right now all at the same time. I'm currently bouncing between like two different books and uh-huh. a D&D campaign and an idea for an audio drama and a one that I'm not sure if it's going to be its own D&D campaign or if it's going to be an audio drama, but it has to do with the narrator for my other podcast, Tales of Adventure. Uh-huh. I, interview, I interview people's D&D or role-playing game characters, and I do it in character. Mm-hmm. So at some point, I'm going to have to reveal the, the, uh, the full story of the narrator, which I'm still working on that, and I'm still... Oops working out those details well i mean you know details are fun i just got a random text from one of my managers asking if i can close tonight i'm like i got stuff (laughs) you have life and and things and also food and also it's like you give me a day off i immediately cram everything i can into that day oh yeah oh yeah well, I mean, with retail, you probably don't get a proper weekend. Nope. Take your day. Everyone's like, yay, weekend. I'm like, oh, no, it's the weekend. <laughs> oh, oh, that's tragic. I'm sorry. Weekends yeah. should be enjoyed. Well, I have Sundays off. So i starting to notice you tend to like to write things in series. Um. Well, Speaker of Words is technically a standalone, so yes, for the others. The others are definitely a series, fantasy trilogy, the Wing Cycle, and then the one following that will be a series of a number of books I don't know, and I've got several other ideas, both for standalone pieces that could be turned into series, and books that should be series, and yeah, I think I'll be busy for a few years. That's good, right? Well, yeah. I mean, considering this is meant to be my career, then yes. Yes, I should be busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Now you're, you're making me want to go back to writing, but I'm like, I've got so much editing I have to do today. Editing is useful also. Well, it's audio editing. I also have, like, actual editing. I do a little freelance work at the local small publishing company. Ah, so I'm like, I do have. Well, I mean, that's fun. Someone's novel I need to edit, and I've also got audio editing out the wazoo. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I have found that audio editing takes a lot longer than text editing. Yeah, because you have to cut out all the ums and the ahs and the stutters and the. Well, um, um I mean, um, it's like, um, yeah, um, um. I'm going to laugh and cry when I edit that. <laughs> i'm just going to leave that as is (laughs) well that's probably a good idea considering it was intentional (laughs) yeah it it takes a while but i don't know it can kind of be a little fun after a while i just like causing trouble i'm the same i once i learn that i can be snarky and sarcastic around someone it's it's over (laughs) Yeah, although, to be fair, if someone has to be incredibly formal, I can be incredibly formal back. It just 
is overlaying my um, natural language of snark. There's nothing better than just I had one coworker who, anytime he said the phrase "diary of a wimpy kid" or "dork diaries," because we usually work downstairs where the kids' books were. Uh huh. And yeah. so anytime he said this phrase, my immediate reaction is, "Oh, you're publishing your diaries." <laughs> Uh, Every yes. single time. And oh, even though he doesn't work there anymore, I still give him a hard time about just about everything. Good for you. Yes. I mean, hey, if we're doubt, we've been dating going on six months now. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Seems to work then. Yeah. <laughs> He's also a huge nerd, even though he is also... like. He, I call him a well-rounded nerd because he's a nerd when it comes to football, but he's also read the Cimmerillion. American or European football? American. Okay. Because I don't understand American football in the slightest. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I do understand European football a smidge. I The only reason I understand anything about American football is I did call it as I was in marching band through most of high school and all of college. Yeah, okay. That'll do it for you. You get kind of pick stuff up, and I get the gist of it. But not gonna lie, I we usually didn't pay much, much attention to the game. Maybe goofing off, I'd look up, I'm like, oh, hey, we're still winning. Cool. Back to goofing off. Uh huh. Yes, that sounds accurate. No, sports and I have a um a confused relationship. I think is probably the accurate way of describing it. I don't understand sports. Sports doesn't understand me. We just you know go our separate ways. I kind of have like a basic understanding of the gist of it. I enjoy watching it with people, just because like sometimes when they get excited, excited is contagious. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just kind of sitting there flipping through the thing, I see sports, a uh, sport ball, something going on. I'll just skip past that and see if I can find something else to watch. Or sometimes I'll put on like old marathons of like Castle or Bones in the background. Yeah, that'll do it. That's far more entertaining. Yeah, not gonna lie. There, there's. I have three TV shows I am definitely at one point going to, like, own all of just so I can, like, watch to have on in the background for whenever I mm-hmm. need that sort of background noise. And it's Castle, mm-hmm. Bones, and mm-hmm. Elementary. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Or maybe it's, I've seen, like, half of an episode once way back when it first came It's really came good. Out. It definitely grows on you. Yeah. But it's it's basically Sherlock Holmes in New York and Watson's a woman. Okay, then. Yeah, but I, I like it. It grows on you. Okay. Well, I'll have to go uh, reinvestigate that because now I'm curious. Yeah. And I promise he does grow to be a more tolerable person eventually. <laughs> well, I mean, if you read the book, Sherlock Holmes never a terribly tolerable person. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've only ever read The Return of Sherlock Holmes. I still haven't finished the original, The Avengers of Sherlock Holmes, which I get the irony in that. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have those on audiobook, uh, narrated by Stephen Fry, which I have to admit is one Ooh. of the most entertaining things ever. 
thing. And now I want that audiobook. <laughs> it's 60 hours long. All together? Just yeah, like... it's the complete Sherlock Holmes. So oh, it does okay. have everything. Okay, gotcha. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then for the rest of the day, my my inner narrator is always Stephen Fry. That yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's yeah, it, um, very I'm fun. I'm rather but very curious dangerous. talking about listening to things. Do you like to listen to music while you write, or do you have to have it silent? That depends on whether I'm actually typing or dictating if i'm dictating then my computer gets really confused if i'm trying to dictate and listen to music but if yeah. i'm writing then i'll happily have some music on in the background usually classical um because i'm familiar enough with it that it kind of becomes background noise yeah but sometimes other stuff i've learned that i can't listen to anything that has lyrics in it or at least not english lyrics so what i usually do is i find like epic movie music or epic video game music i've actually got right. several bands i listen to i usually stick with really slow motion because their stuff is amazing but yeah i'll just put that on in the background while i'm writing because if i listen if i do something with lyrics to it yeah no that yeah. ends up a whole different situation and yeah you realize that half of your pages song lyrics that are not yours <laughs> yeah i mean to be fair one of the problems with classical music is i was listening to um, an online you know internet radio thing that had classical and i was writing it was a nice you know relaxing thing and then all of a sudden the ride of the valkyries came on and i'm like wagner no no i can't do anything now i must write the dramatic <laughs> fight scenes uh, yeah. Oh yeah so gosh, there are there I are some pieces it. that are just terrible no matter what what are some of your favorite like dumb or annoying questions people ask whenever you tell them that you're a writer or whenever oh, they hear about what you do oh gosh um the oh can i have your book for free that one's all fun uh the oh i'd write a book if i had time that one's always fun and the, uh, oh, so how do you make money? That one's fun, too. So all of, the, all of the ones where it's just like your kind of immediate reaction is like, great, I'm going to punch you in the throat now. <laughs> yeah, instead, I like to pull out my longest, most florid words and describe in great detail all of the struggles of your average writer. It's, it's highly entertaining. Do you also have people asking like, hey, you should put me in your book? Oh, I've had a few of those. I'm like, sure, you can be my next murder victim. That's usually my reaction to it. It's like, yeah, sure, I'll put you in there. I'll put you in this one where all this stuff is going. I'm like, great, no, I want to have a happy ending. I'm like, tough Then beans. write your own story. Exactly. If you want to live through my book, you'd better write your own. It's so fun watching people not understand what being a writer is like. Yeah, it's oh, so so entertaining especially if you can explain it to them in such a way that they have to actually like think about things yeah most of the time i just um say i write books and move on in short sweet to the point if they have any more questions they can either reconsider those questions or walk away <laughs> well the next question is always oh what sort of books do you write and then i describe them and they're like oh okay because I have to say, 90% of the people I've talked to that happen to live around me have no idea what to do with dystopian novels. 
Well, that's such a shame. Dystopians can be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, you're tearing the world to pieces. You also get to rebuild it after that. Mm-hmm. If that you too. Want to. If you want to. Well, I mean, you know, that depends very much on the book and um, the sort of day I'm having. You ever find that you come up with, like, some of the randomest ideas and you're just kind of sitting there like, Brain, I don't know where you found this. <laughs> yes. Usually when I'm brushing my teeth and cannot write it down. In the car on my way to work. Oh, yep. That's that's a good one, too. Because, oh, yeah, you know, you could write it on your phone if you wanted to actually kill yourself in the process. But no, no. Instead, you just have to think it over. And it turns into a whole collection of you have no idea where this came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the time when I was bored on a Saturday and realized it'd be really, really easy to turn The Wizard of Oz into a crime series. <gasps> oh. Oh my. That's another one that I'm working on. And I'm, I'm just like, with how it's going to work out, I'm like, this is going to be five books. I'm like, awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm like, because I can't have things be simple. Because, like, there, well, there's no. no magic in it. But the first three books are The scare, Scarecrow, The Tin Woodman, uh-huh. and The Cowardly uh-huh. Lion. I love it. And they're all different criminals. Although, I don't think I can call the first one murder mystery because I don't think anyone's actually going to get murdered in that one. No, it's, it's crime it. fiction. Exactly. And there will, but there, there will be murder. Yeah, no. Oh, that's great. I like it. <laughs> you got really excited when I admitted that there was going to be murder. <laughs> well, I mean, murder mysteries are fun. Crime fiction is fun, but twisting anything into something else is so entertaining. Oh, it really is. I I love fairy tale retelling so right? much. Oh my goodness! Yes. Have you ever read Dorothy Must Die? I haven't. It's it's another good one. It's an it's a interesting Wizard of Oz twist. It's typically found in YA fantasy adventure. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You can tell I work in a bookstore by how I tell people where to find things. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like I was staring at that one for months before I finally bought it and I read it and I was like, oh boy, I like this. Okay, so Dorothy must die. I like that. Dorothy is basically turned into an evil, power-hungry dictator, and she's terrifying. <laughs> I could totally see that. Like she's yep. absolutely terrifying. Yeah, she forces a, one of her mates to kill a mouse with her bare hands, and then walk around with the mouse's corpse in her pocket for like days. Oh my goodness! Wow, not even the worst thing she does. No, but wow. Gee, Dorothy, like, take a chill pill. Yeah, you know someone's just like, I'm just gonna go to town with the story. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I read um webcomic called Namesake, which sort of is a retelling of the original Frank Albaum Wizard of Oz sort of type thing. It's really fun. Yeah, it's like, I feel like most people don't realize there's like 14 books in that series. I know! I haven't read all of them. And I keep thinking, oh, yes, I should. And then I look at the number of books and I say, well, I mean, my TBR list is already really long. It's one of those eventually, maybe, probably, probably not things. Oh, I'm sure I will, because 
uh, as per usual, there's a book series that I want to write that involves a person accidentally getting pulled into the world of fiction. And so he has to deal with oh. things like the Mad Hatter and the Wizard of Oz and all of the original like fiction pieces and figure out what went wrong. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that one's going to be fun. Although I feel like I almost want to make it into a screenplay because it could be a really fantastic television series. Oh, yeah. I mean, heck, find someone who's good at animation. You could do it animated. You can get away with a little bit more with that one. Oh, I could. Yeah. Unfortunately, huh. I don't currently have any animated. Well, I kind of do. Um, uh, On this Discord, uh, I have a storyboard artist for The Walking Dead on here. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a fun conversation. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. It was also kind of a, oh my god, he said yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of those interviews. Yeah, I've had a couple of those where I'm like, oh, you're actually someone that people know and you're doing things that are like super fantastic and I'm just a little tiny fish. But hey, we're both doing cool stuff. It may not be as big, but... Those big people started out tiny like us. Exactly. And considering how many ideas I have swimming around my head, I really need to do something about it. So I'm gonna. You're just swimming. Mine are running around, even running around screaming or pouting in the corner. Oh yeah, I have those days too. Today is a swimming day, but some days it's the um, screaming and torture chamber and why won't my brain shut up? I also have a couple that are currently sitting in the corner glowering at me. <laughs> oh, those are the dangerous ones. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the perils of being a creative type. So many ideas, so little time. Yeah, and every you start talking about your ideas, and everyone just looks at you like, "What is wrong with you?" Mm-hmm. I have a lot of those conversations. It's like I promise this is normal. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go talk with other writer people and they're like, yes, this is the same thing and I get it. And it's like, I am normal-ish. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all subjective, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got a little over an hour. Do you have any like advice or like something you wish someone told you starting out for other writers or creative people out there who are listening? As far as writing goes... Uh, if you're trying to do a self-publishing thing, write as many books as you can, because it turns out that the more books you have, the more ideas you have, the better you get, uh, the more people want to read your stuff, and the better marketing becomes. Yeah, I definitely have to keep that one in mind as I'm staring at my long list of characters that are glaring at me. <laughs> yeah, no, it turns out it's actually a lot easier to market yourself if you have a wider range of work simply because you are able to reach more people. Also, the yeah. characters in your head do stop staring at you if you write them down. Yeah, but a lot of them, I start to write it down. They just stop talking to me, and I'm like, what do you, what, what do you want from me? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's a whole different problem, which involves much tea and some serious, like, meditative thought i definitely want to like chat writing with you more later like for sure okay just because i'm around writing with people yeah writing writing is 
pretty much all I'm doing at the moment, writing and reading and looking at words and uh, looking at other people's words and looking at my own words. And then somewhere in there, I come up for air and say, hey, I should make some cookies. That sounds like you're living the dream. Yes, I'm just not making a whole lot of money right now. But I have saved up enough funds to last a couple more years before, if this writing thing isn't working out, I have to find a second job. Fingers crossed. Is Would you like to take a moment to do some shameless self-promo? Shameless self-promo? Uh, sure. Well, um, you can find me on all of the usual internet social places, I guess. Uh, I'm on Amazon because I have books. That's a thing. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I shall give you all of the links. So if you need them, I don't know where you'll put them, but you can have them. Yeah. So I'm E.G., writer, linguist, wanderer writer of stories, causer of trouble, that sort of a thing. Who I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, I've been causing trouble since I was very, very small. I mean, same. (laughs) It's it's a calling, you know? Exactly. We were just, it's not our fault we were made with hyperactive imagination that will not sit down. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. The world just has to learn to live with us. Exactly. And one of these days, it will learn to appreciate us and start giving us lots of money. That would be nice. I could live with that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be so great when we get there. Yeah. Let me know when you figure that out. I will. I've got some people working on it. An Incomplete Guide to World Domination is directed and produced by Brianna Toyber as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network. Music is by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. You can find more of his work at chesterstudios.net. If you would like to help support our show, you can find us at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it. For more information on the other shows produced by Pseudonym Social, please check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com.